I didn't know what a credit card really was. I just liked the fact that I it came in the mail and I could go charge on it. So I had to take it. <laughs> It, yeah, it's like charge, you know, but um, yeah, but that bill comes 30 days later in the mail and the whole reason you were charging was because you didn't have the money in the first place. So it can be a, a little bit of a hamster wheel. Mm, definitely. Unfortunately, due to a lot of different reasons, I found myself in a very unhealthy, abusive marriage. It's not something I'm proud of. It's not something I want to repeat. And it's been hard to talk about it earlier in the piece. I remember someone saying to me, it'll take you about five or six years to really start to feel like you're getting your life back on track again. (laughs) And I remember thinking naively at the time, oh, no, no, I'm better than that. (laughs) Surely not. But guess what? It did actually take a lot of years of work and sometimes I would think things had been worked through and all of a sudden things weren't worked through. Within those years we were beyond our knickers in debt. I didn't know the half of it. It was kept very secret and a lot of it was very emotional spending. We got to a stage where we had to file bankruptcy and again something I'm not very proud of. I remember the day that they came to repossess our car, how much that memory stuck with me, but also taught me valuable, valuable lessons along the way. Our guest today has more than just a big debt story. She has overcome a mammoth of life-changing events and really highlights how much you can lose in order to gain. (laughs) I'm Linda Bonney and this is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Michelle Fletcher, welcome to the community. Thank you so much for joining us. And would love to essentially dive right in into a little bit about Michelle. Let's start about, let's start with of where you grew up and what that was like for you and everything else like that. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm a a country, country girl as they come probably. (laughs) I grew up in Central Texas, so my grandparents owned a big, huge chicken farm with about 30,000 chickens. (gasps) Wow. So. Yes, my grandfather had an egg route that basically displayed, he took things to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to the restaurants and delivered eggs whenever I was younger. I don't remember the hard work. I remember the fun stuff. My mother had me at a very young age of 16. Her and my father, yeah, she was a, a school dropout in high school. And my grandmother was pregnant at the same time my mother was pregnant. And my grandmother actually miscarried. Mm -hmm. And so I became the child that uh, my grandmother lost. I was almost like a little sister to my mom. (laughs) Thank goodness for my grandmother. So I had two mamas. My mother loved me dearly. Um, But, you know, I I grew up down the street from my grandparents. And a couple of years later, I ended up having a little brother. And... 
at the age of about five, he was about five and I was, I guess, seven, my parents divorced and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a crazy life from that. All of my pieces seemed to start beginning to shatter because my mother was so broken and trying to figure things out. So and still quite young, um, still quite young too. Yes, she was very young. Yeah. And so, of course, we moved around a lot, a lot. Um, she ended up marrying my stepdad. A few years later, I ended up having another brother. And they were trying to figure things out. And at one point in our life, we moved, I don't know, seven, nine times in one year. I felt like they were, as I, <laughs> as I got older, I was like, are they running from something? You know, as we answer the system and I see these kids bouncing around from... Um, school to school to school I thought man were they but they weren't they were just trying to make ends meet mm. so that's a little bit about my childhood mm. gosh and nine times in a year oh goodness I just <laughs> once every nine years is probably enough in so in many ways for me <laughs> especially when you have young children you know mm. my brother and I both were in school um and at that point uh, with us moving, we couldn't keep up. So we both ended up having to be held back in school, which was quite an embarrassment. But um, they moved again. So nobody knew that we were being held back. And that was where I actually got grounded and graduated the next, I guess, six years of school. I, I stayed where I'm at at the now where I live at. So, mm. oh, goodness. And just coming back to having quite a young mother and having children very young, gosh, I think about myself at 16 and being thrown into the responsibility of having a young baby <laughs> who needs you a lot at no matter what age you become a parent. It's hard for me, I guess, to picture and imagine, but I can also imagine the intensity as well. I'm very grateful for my grandmother. I call her my nanny because I really think she helped mold my mother into the mother that I needed to have, my brother and I both. I, I'm sure that there were difficult times. I remember my mom saying one time, this is my baby, not yours, <laughs> um, just in a conversation. But, um, but there's just some type of bond that I have with my nanny now that I, even my uncles, they think of me as their little sis. And so it, it's really, it's kind of a daughter slash granddaughter type of relationship. It's a beautiful thing. And my mother did, you know, she did the best that she could with what resources she had to raise us. She was one of the, she's, she's passed, but I can say she's one of the hardest working women that I have ever known or watched in my life. I mean, if anybody gave me the grit to move through a obstacle, it would be my mother. And how did that then carry forward into your adult life as well? Oh, it, it has definitely, when times get tough, mm -hmm. you strap your boots on and you, you get to work, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that sometimes circumstances just fall into your lap, you, unexpected things, but sometimes 
we can also create some of our obstacles as well. And yeah, whether it be just, it can be anything. The, the one thing that pops into my mind is debt, you know, and Kenneth and I created a lot of debt within our marriage life because fortunately, but fortunately, um, we grew up both extremely poor. And so, you know, as you get out, you want your kids to have a life better than you have. And I didn't know what a credit card really was. I just liked the fact that I it came in the mail and I could go charge on it's it. So shiny. To take it. It, yeah, it's like charge, you know, but um yeah, but that bill comes thirty days later in the mail and the whole reason you were charging was because you didn't have the money in the first place. Mm. So it can be a a little bit of a hamster wheel. Mm, definitely. And from memory, I think at one stage you were working four jobs. Tell us a little bit about that experience. And yeah, look, partly I think from what I understand was because you had backed yourself into this debt corner hole of mountain <laughs> as well. Is that right? That is correct. Um, man, you know, it, I didn't know we were in as bad of debt as we were. My husband kind of kept some of that from me. He was paying all the bills and he just didn't want me to know how bad things were. We had, um, at one point, we had actually paid off our debt two different other times, whether it be through counseling or something, some type of service that helped us. We never had to file bankruptcy, but there was a time I thought, man, I think we're going to have to do something like that. But we ended up, getting ourselves in another credit card situation to where it was over 50 something thousand dollars. Um, and then we, yeah. And we ended up having a beautiful home. Some things, you know, you just, at the end of the pay period, you didn't have enough means to pay what you had. And there were many a nights that I would lay in bed just thinking, are we going to be able to pay our mortgage? But, you know, I had kids in high school. And I did not want them to not be able to benefit from some of the activities that are most high school kids are involved in because of mine and Kenneth's poor decisions. So I did. I worked multiple jobs. I I worked for the school system for 16 years. And of course, you know, they don't pay very good, but I, you know, it's, it's the hard work there. And then I would go to work at a retail store later in the evenings and would work three to five hours after working at the school. And then on the weekends, I would either cut hair mm. or I would, I cleaned houses every other weekend as well, just to be able to pay for groceries or the activities for my kids to be a part of. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. oh. I, I met, I definitely met myself coming and going and many days I would work 20 something days straight and they would be sometimes 12 hour long days. I look back at that and think, how in the heck did I get through something like that? But I did. Yeah. Mm. I just, I had to do it. Mm. It's quite insane when we do have that forward hindsight perspective. <laughs> and when you are in the depths of it, you feel like you have no choice. You really do. Oh, that's so true. Mm. 
That's so true. Mm. And I think when we get to that stage where we do feel like we have no choice, it starts to impact so many other areas of our life. And for you, that was, I, I believe for you, it was your health really, really got very affected in the fact that you didn't have time to really stop and sleep or eat or <laughs> or make smart food choices because of so many different reasons. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that story and explain to me what that resulted in and what that felt like at the time? Sure. I was at a state of brokenness. I didn't really know it so much of how I see it now, but looking back, I see myself as a mom who was, I was 246 pounds. I was exhausted mentally, physically, and I was financially broken. I mean, I felt like my whole world was coming and going. And I remember sitting down and thinking, is this the, is this the dream life? Is this what I set out to, to have my life be like, you know, it's almost the type where you can see people just taking off and just get in their vehicle and never looking back. <laughs> um, just to escape the situation. I was almost, I, not that I ever wanted to leave my family or anything, but I can remember going, I just wanted to run, I wanted to run away from my situation. Mm. So I would escape. And my escaping was coming home. And when I had a chance to sit down, I mean, Linda, I didn't have time to clean my house. I, you know, cook dinner. I mean, I was probably a very irritable, mean mama because I was, I was meeting myself coming and going. So when I would come home and sit down, I would scroll social media or I would play this, this crazy game called Candy Crush. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's how I that's how I escaped reality, okay? <laughs> and I remember coming across a photo, and I, I kept seeing them, a lady from my church posting this stuff, and I had watched it, I don't know, I, it feels like six months, but I finally just reached out, and I saw this photo of this lady, and I sent her a message, and I go, I need your help. And you've got to remember, I had no money to do anything with. I don't know what I was thinking, but something just told me to reach out to her. And and we did. She told me what she was doing. And um, I had just sold some puppy dogs. And so I had a little extra money. And I told my husband I was <laughs> I was going to um, buy some of this diet foods, what I called it. And... <laughs> And he was like, why are you doing something like that? We need that money to go toward different things. And I was actually saving for a dental procedure that I needed to have done. I go, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to buy my first month's worth of food. And he goes, well, how are you going to pay for the next one? I go, well, I'm going to become a health coach and I'm going to help other people lose weight. And then I can keep paying for my food. And he was so mad at me. He didn't speak to me for three and a half days oh, I think it wow. was a long time yeah it was mad Ooh, and but I have to tell you through that process I mean if it was cardboard I had to eat it because I was not going to eat crow for my husband okay <laughs> um so both as stubborn as each other <laughs> yes 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 so I decided that I just had to I had to make this thing work and 
I went on and I lost 87 pounds. Within the first week, I felt wonderful. I started having energy. I started feeling like there, like I could find the person within me. Um, I started through the process. I started loving me again. And through that whole process, my husband and my kids saw me changing right in front of their eyes. And it took my husband about three and a half months to, because he was very skeptical, but it took him a little while to decide to say, can you order me that food? (laughs) Um, And so um, he went on and lost 112 pounds. But there's one thing I want to just share with me being, there's only been like two or three times that I have just kind of jumped all in and didn't look back. And doing this without his blessing was one of those times. And I'll never forget after we had lost all of our weight and things were looking a lot better for us. We were sitting on the couch. He was so sweet. I don't think we were watching a movie and he just reached over and he touched my knee and he said, thank you. And I go, for what? And he goes, for not giving up on your dream because you've changed our lives. And it, it was one of the most precious moments. I think he even had some tears running down his eyes because it was very sincere and I had no clue that becoming a health coach would not only help us with our health, but it also helped with me helping other people. It helped us financially as well, get out of the hole we were in. And it's been a beautiful thing. Mm, absolutely. Goodness. And just thinking out loud and yeah, full confession out loud at the same time, I ended up in a situation where I did actually have to declare bankruptcy. And I remember so much of that time and being really scared and frightened and not being able to make clear choices or decisions or anything much at all. And yes, my health was very, very affected in that time. I can reflect now on it and realize that there was a lot of lead up to that point and a lot of very, very big life experiences and life, just all sorts of things that were essentially like demons in the closet, if you like, that I definitely hadn't confronted or talked about or dealt with or wanted to face and was in a lot of denial about the actual situation. Do you think that was similar for you? Oh, yeah. Mm. I I can even remember, and I hadn't even talked about this in a long time, but I remember being very upset in the process of us being kind of strapped. And and Kenneth and I had moved down to the coast. I I do want to talk about how I met him and how kind of things kind of, because we do have a kind of crazy way that we met. But in one of the processes of us dealing with massive debt, I was pregnant and with our daughter. And typically you have six weeks off to be able to, for maternity leave. And our debt was so bad 
that I had to go back to work before that baby was six weeks old. Wow. And I was resentful. Oh, yeah. I was upset. I was mad um, because I had to leave my baby. Six weeks is not even that and long. And that's hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And I think I went back at four or five weeks to work because I we needed the finances. Yeah. Wow. I, I remember being very upset about that. And oh, just the actual the actual physical aspect of birth itself as well, it's massive. I know for a couple of the friends that I've talked about that have had, let's say, a C-section or a cesarean, I think you might call it, their recommendations are that you don't drive for six weeks or so after that operation. So then going back to work after six weeks when for so many reasons or so many situations where you definitely don't have a lot of strength back, you're tired, you've just given birth. And so I feel very fortunate that generally we have about three months off over here. That's this general. And a lot of people take six or 12 months after birth. Wow. Mm. (laughs) That would be so nice to have that in America. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I just, I cannot imagine going back to work straight after having baby. And yeah, that must have been quite, quite the catalyst in a way, because I imagine it would create that resentment and bitterness and so many aspects where you feel like you can't bond very well and get into a good routine or rhythm or sleep or recover. So many, (laughs) so many impacts of that. Mm. very much so you you've named everything I was actually thinking definitely um physically exhausted you know and then emotionally not only drained but I was I was hurt you know I wanted to yeah but we overcame it you know I I mean I I don't even really think I spoke much about it because things, I just had to do what had to be done. And you just kind of get in. I just had to make the best of it when I was with her and bond whenever we were able to bond. But, you know, you never can get that time back. No, no. And so tell me a little bit about your children and that experience having young children and wanting to provide for them and, then at the same time not being able to really be there for them in a way because you are working to the bone and cranky and <laughs> tired and all sorts of things. Can you tell me a little bit about that mm, that experience for you and what that looked like and just some of the ups and downs of that journey as well? Yeah, it was a roller coaster ride, that's for sure. Um, you know, if I could just go back and change some of the ways that I did things, I was a stern mom because I, you know, and my kids, my, I I have, I've had three, but two are living and they both have stated to me that they appreciate that I, I didn't give in as much as I think a lot as parents do these days, but it helped them build some some good values but but there were times that I can I can remember 
I would ask my kids, especially if they were being bad, I go, do you want the mean mommy to come out? Cause she's almost coming out. I mean, I, I would, I would warn them, but sometimes there would be rages of it just happening and no control. And I think it was just because I was so, I didn't know how to control it. And something sometimes had to give, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't beat my kids more than anything. It was hollering, you know, I would, you and I think sometimes words or the tones can be just as damaging as a spanking. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I had—I mean, it was rough. And my husband worked 12 hours, so I, it was me here with them most of the time. And so I didn't have anybody to really hand them off to. So it was, yeah, and then working and shuffling them around from places to places. And at times I just felt like I couldn't give enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. I don't know that I described that very well or not. No, but. <laughs> no it, it does make so much sense. And you feel stretched in a way between so many competing demands and so many competing priorities and everybody feels like they need you all at once. And <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely experiencing and living that in my current reality for sure there's one thing that i would say especially to you living in this current reality your kids are only little at one point of their life you know you cannot get that time back but the house the i mean the house the laundry the dishes you know it all has to get done here and there at times but it doesn't have to be perfect and so taking those moments to cuddle and love play games with your kids and build those, you know, there are times that I wish I could get that back and had done more of that because I, I think I felt like I didn't have control of my life. And if I could have a clean house or I could have this or that in place, I felt like I had control. So I really feel like things were messed up with me putting so much value in the status quo versus me being the mom I needed to be to my kids. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I can't imagine having a child as well that is no longer with you in amongst all of that and navigating that grief. And we hear also from my mum on this podcast as well and her experience of that. And I still find it something which I seek to understand more of. (laughs) Do you think that also impacted how you were able to essentially run day-to-day and cope? I had a stillborn. Mm. My son, Corey, I carried him for 36 weeks. Mm. Um, Let me, I'm going to back up just a little bit, just to give a little bit of some history on some stuff. We'll kind of make so it'll kind of make some sense here. And I hope, and if I don't answer your question, bring it back. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> I get, I go down some rabbit trails sometimes oh, no, or no. some squirrel moments. <laughs> okay. We need the backstory. Well, we need- <laughs> well, okay. I met my husband at a retail store. I was a hair stylist and he had come in to get a haircut 
had asked me out. I told him, no, I've got, you know, I'm working a couple of jobs. I ain't got time to be dealing with no men. <laughs> and so um, I actually cut his hair longer on one side. And in the process of him leaving and the next day before he came back, my manager overheard our conversation and she goes, girl, you need to quit all this working and you need to go out and have some fun. So I did not deliberately cut his hair longer on one side. It was an accident. But when he came in, and I feel like that was just God's way of um, putting him back in my life again, <laughs> he came and said, hey, you um, left one side of my hair longer on one side. And I go, oh, well, my trick worked. You came back. <laughs> and so we ended up, we started dating. But it, it took a little bit for him to re-ask me back out again. I kind of had to to call and relight the candle a little bit to kind of get some flames <laughs> upon after I told him no. But but needless to say, we got together. And, um, you know, I had asked about his family. And he told me I would never meet his dad. And I, I was, you know, 22 I was like okay whatever you know and um just kept on going on our, our merry little way well I had only known him for six weeks mm -hmm. and I ran off with him this is one of those moments <laughs> that I said oh I did two crazy things in my life where I jumped all in uh -huh. yeah, I jumped all in knowing a guy for six weeks and I ran off with him and my family was extremely upset. And of course his family wasn't like, you know, he didn't have any relationship with his dad, but in the process of us being together for a couple of months, I got pregnant and out of wedlock and we eventually got married. And that was our son, Corey, that um, I carried for 36 weeks. And I actually met my father-in-law at my son's funeral. And as time has gone, you know, my kids are adults now. The beautiful thing is through the storm that I was going through, and I didn't know it at that moment, but Corey's little precious life had a purpose. And his purpose was to, he paid the way for Kenneth and his father to mend their relationship wow. because, because Albert, my husband's dad, he was able to be a part of Colton and Kendall's life. And it was, you know, such a beautiful thing. He was a great grandfather. And whenever it came time to him being in the hospital, my husband was at his bedside and he led him in prayer, you know, to Jesus, to accept Jesus as his personal savior and to see that, you know, as Christians, that's one step of being able to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And my husband was able to do that with his father. And it was, so as time has passed, I see the beauty in that full circle of what happened with that baby. Wow. And yeah, it, it, it's a very, um, and I know I'm not, I'm not tearful. Um, 
I mean, I have my moments, mm. but this is but it's such a beautiful thing that you can look in the midst of a horrible thing that happened through your life mm. and see the beauty that God has brought through the through the storms. And that is one one thing that I really see the blessing in. Yeah, incredible. Thank you so much for sharing as well because it can be really hard to see the beauty and see the powerful benefit that he had not only for yourself and Kenneth but extending onto that and the ripples throughout as well. And, yeah, it's much like the um, <laughs> like the debt and the money roller coaster and the health roller coaster. Grief is also its own roller coaster at the same time, a big one. <laughs> mm. And you know the loss of that baby. Um, I got pregnant six weeks later with my son Colton. Oh, so wow. I had Colton or Corey in January. I got pregnant with Colton and had Colton in December. So I had two babies back to back. They were 10 and a half months apart. And so during the process of me being pregnant with Colton, I was grieving for my baby I had lost. It you talk about a emotional roller coaster with the hormones of flying just normal pregnancy and then you top in grief about that and fear and it I I made the comment to my husband if you can if we can get through these two years of pregnancy of the loss of a child and then the emotions that I was going through for the fear and and then and everything I go, we can, we can conquer anything. <laughs> and I just had no clue what some of the things were going to have to be that we had to conquer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Colton, Colton was my rainbow baby. That's, I didn't know that that's what they called him, but we called a baby after a storm, a rainbow baby. And he was my, he gave me purpose to, to go on. And I, I was so overly protected of him. I, I can remember thinking, okay, I got this baby here. Now I got to really protect it. And so I was one of those mamas that didn't, you know, I didn't want to leave him. I didn't want nobody driving in the car with him. <laughs> I mean, I was, I became very overly protective. Yep. Um, but it also caused him those, those type of things kind of caused Colton to be very demanding because he had all of our attention for everything. And so I had to learn that the best thing I could have ever done for him was have a sibling. <laughs> so, I, so, so I didn't give him as, as much time. So anytime he was like, a, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, the crazy things of life. Oh, I just sit back and think, I don't, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I've mm -hmm. always said that um, when a baby's delivered, instead of delivering a placenta, they need to deliver a book on oh. how to guide this kid. <laughs> They're all so different, though. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, so different. So did Colton and Kendall always have an understanding of Corey from a young age? 
yes, they've always known about their brother. And um, I remember Colton being, he might've been about four years old and I, it was a 4th of July our independence day and fireworks were going and we were sitting on the back of a truck and he, he goes, mom, do you think Corey can see those um, fireworks from heaven? And I go, I don't know, but I, I, I think so. You know, and he goes, well, I hope so. Cause they sure are pretty. And I, I just remember smiling at him thinking, um, because I know he longed to wonder. It was more him who who kind of wondered why his brother wasn't going to, couldn't be here, you know? Um, so yeah, they, they definitely have always asked and wondered. And we do, I have Christmas ornaments and things that are just special and they're just, you know, just moments and things that represent Corey. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, that just has such a big impact sometimes without you even realising and sometimes moments or little things will come up which will just touch a point and you think, oh, that was unexpected or oh, I wasn't planning for any of that to come up. And so, yeah, really this is a great opportunity to just touch on that and give it the respect that it deserves and really honour your whole experience in that situation as well. So, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing. <laughs> Definitely. So just fast-forwarding into the health journey that you did take because one thing that stuck with me in, oh, goodness, it would have been months ago now, the conversation that you had on a po another podcast about all the buttons on your vest. <laughs> that story, oh, I tell you. <laughs> and then when I think I was editing the podcast and just had such a smile on my face with that story, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Do you want to give a brief rundown about that? And yeah, just the inspiration and motivation to get your health back on track? Sure. Okay. I, <laughs> that first day that, you know, just think about it. Anytime a woman is starting the diet, you know, uh -huh. you're just like, oh, here we go, <laughs> you know. But I, I, I remember my daughter, I said, here, take my picture. And I had on these Plazio pants, so they're big and baggy. And I had on this vest. The vest was a size large, okay, and it was nowhere n did it need to be on my body. I mean, <laughs> I thought it looked good at the moment, but it being a large, it was on the um, half of each side of my boobs, okay? So it did not, <laughs> there was no closing that baby up, and it, but I had no clue. I did not plan this. But what ended up happening is it was a measuring thing that I utilized on my health journey. Mm. So ever, ever like month, you know, weeks or a month, I would put that vest back on to see how much I was able to, you know, button it up. <laughs> and I'll never forget, you know, I, I lost 87 pounds and I'll never forget the night 
that I buttoned that vest. And my husband was in, <laughs> he was in bed and I, I buttoned that sucker up and I just started jumping up and down like, oh my God, I got the vest. You know, and I go, you got to get out of bed. He goes, why? And I'm like, because I need you to take my picture. This sucker is buttoned up. And so he got out of bed and we went out on my front porch and he took that picture. And I, my smile is huge. I am so excited about what I had accomplished. And, you know, I lost the 87 pounds, but what I gained was a new me, a new person who loved who I am through all of my flaws, through all all of my hardships. There's a reason and a purpose for all of that. And they've made me into who I am. And yes, it comes with, I added some extra fluff through the process and (laughs) (laughs) through the years of, you know, not knowing how to deal with it. And now as I'm going back, becoming an author and learning how to do some of this stuff. And the one thing that I have lost through my health journey is the mental part of learning who I am. And the mindset of how I see things and and loving who I am through the process of of what I've gone through and and just to help others, knowing that some of the difficulties or hardships don't define or the choices that we have made don't really define who we were, you know, who we are as we are now going through a situation. It it's choices and they do matter and they do they do give us directions on sometimes where our path um, leads up to but but I I know that it doesn't define who I really am for the mistakes or things that I've made I'm I'm a person who who loves deeply and who who wants others to know that for just existing and being here you are worthy it's not your worth is not how much money you make or how you look or um how other people value you or see you it's it's what you do and how and how god neatly made you into who you are. Yeah. So true. <laughs> so because you were going down that health <laughs> journey, did you have to give up things like the Sunday roast? <laughs> or <laughs> because that's that's the yeah. question we like to I guess uh, bring us all together into the community by asking about your favorite Sunday roast memory. Do you have anything that springs to mind maybe with your nanny? Yes. You know, it's always a good old pot roast Uh and with those, you know, typically in a crock pot that cooks on a Sunday morning and onions and carrots and potatoes and yeah. And then a good old gravy to go on top of all of that. Yeah, or that would not be very healthy on the health journey. No. Just because <laughs> the gravy, the gravy alone. The gra- well, 
the gravy, yes. But the, you know, potatoes and carrots, though people think they're they're a vegetable, you know, they, they're kind of a sugary starch as well. So, you know, our our bodies like to store some of that extra stuff. So you gotta have that that in moderation. But I can have it. You know, I just choose not to have too much of something that, that, you know, there's just something about your childhood and traditions. And I've never called it a Sunday roast until you had asked I'm thinking, what is a Sunday roast? But, you know, um, whenever it was explained to me, I was like, I immediately thought of my childhood roast with the onions and the crackled pepper on top of it and carrots and potatoes and all of us sitting around the table and having grace and passing it all around so um (laughs) some really good memories um yeah those are some good memories (laughs) that's the power of exactly what we're doing here not just within sunday roast memories but so many of the other stories that you've been able to share out into not only my heart but the heart of many that will listen and be witness to this community so I really really appreciate your time and have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation it's it's such a pleasure to be in your company (laughs) well thank you Linda thank you so much for for asking me to be a part of this it's a very big honor and I just hope to leave your your audience or people reading or listening that they just, you know, if you just dig deep down within, you can do almost anything you set your mind to. And indeed. And I just hope my stories will, um, will help. Maybe if it's a little snippet of going through a storm, just to know that there's going to be a rainbow after the storm and to never forget that to find the many blessings through the storm. Michelle just omits that country Texan feel and while I haven't been exposed to a lot of it, I feel like I just got my dose. I don't know about you. (laughs) Oh, what an inspirational story. It certainly touched my heart. To hear more inspiration and just some southern charm this time, you can hear from another guest, David White. Let's take a little listen. I continued to listen, and she explained to me, what I hear is somebody who's very bitter. What I hear is somebody who does not give grace to the people who are scared to death about having to go do a thing. Ouch. And I had to stop and really think about that. And it's it's one of those situations where I don't know that I really ever want to communicate with that person ever again. Mm-hmm. To hear more about current projects and the book, I invite you to head over to my website, lindabonnie.com. I welcome you to the community. And thank you so much for joining us.